Welcome to Startup Health Now. This is the podcast where we celebrate health's innovative entrepreneurs and the moonshots they're working to achieve. I'm Nicole Clark, Startup Health Senior Writer. Today, I'm pleased to welcome two guests to our show from Equitas Partners. Equitas is an executive search firm within the healthcare tech space, and they have a concentration on growth stage companies. I'm talking with Tim Gordon, founder and managing partner, and Helena Hannon, principal, which she joined after spending eight years actually as portfolio director at Startup Health, for those of you that don't know, um, and she was the company's first employee there. So it's a special treat uh, to have you both. Thanks for having me here. So these days, I, I feel like I've had a slightly selfish motive with these podcast interviews. They've been a means for me to kind of have this personal connection to the world outside of my home in Baltimore. And I like to start them by simply asking, how are you? And maybe as each of you answer that slightly weighted question, um, if you can offer a quick introduction as well. So Kalina, we can start with you. Ed, thanks for having us on, Nicole. And it's such a loaded uh, question, because I think it changes every single day in terms of how we actually are as people. It's a bit of an up and down experience, but for the most part, good. Um, it's been an interesting ride over the past two months, I think from everything that is going on in the world and uh, also personally. My first day with Equitas was actually the very first day of the shelter in place order at New York City. Uh, so starting a job when you're working from home where you don't actually know what your job actually is, <laughs> is an interesting uh, and nuanced experience. I think, you know, for, for Tim and I, we've I had a bit of an unfair advantage because we've known each other and have worked each other, with each other peripherally for the past uh, nearly a decade, actually. And so I think we got a bit of a head start being thrown into it, but not having too much of that initial uh, awkwardness going on. So all in all, doing well. Doing well. That's good to hear. And Tim, um, yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to hear, curious to hear more about your background um, and also, you know, on a personal note, note, what it's been like to be at the helm of a helm of a company that's in the health space right now. Yeah, sure. Um, and so, you know, I, I think to answer your first question, how am I uh, better than maybe the last week of March at this point, right? I think uh, things were a little crazy for a while. Um there was a lot going on and it happened very, very quickly. And so it's sort of just been a gradual march for me since then to some degree of normalcy, whatever that is. And so I'd say more good days than bad now and um, some, some square footage to spread out in our new home. And um, it's sunny today. So uh, all things considered, uh, we're healthy, uh, the sun's out and things could be worse at the moment. Um, as far as my background goes and what it's been like to to try to manage a company through this it's uh you know i've been doing search and, and talent at the executive level for the better part of a decade and uh nearly all of that has been in and around healthcare and and high growth healthcare in particular and so uh you know i founded our firm almost six years ago unfortunately i think we're going to celebrate our sixth birthday in in quarantine uh, at the beginning of june 
which is uh, a bit of a bummer, but yet I think exciting that we're hitting that kind of a milestone as a business in spite of what's going on in the world. And, you know, the, the transition for, for everything related to COVID has been, it's been a challenge, right? I, I think that it was a shock to the system in, at the beginning. Uh, and, and I think that that's okay. I think when things like this happen, I think you're allowed to, to be thrown off kilter for a minute and then you got to get your, your act together and, and keep moving. Right. And so um, for me, it was about, you know, how do we, how do we kind of get a grip on what's actually going on here, make a plan for now, make a plan for the near term and then one for the future and say, uh, we kind of know that this is going to be a bit of a moving target and that some things are probably going to change, but that's, that's okay. Um, and so, you know, at first it was about financial health of the company and then it was about mental health for the company, making sure that everybody on our team was in a good headspace so that they could deliver because we've still got a lot of work to do. So um, big time exor exercise and change in crisis management, but uh, you know, maybe a free MBA, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, Paulina, you paid yeah, for that your, right? Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say that seems like a bit of a dig. <laughs> <laughs> I promise it's not. I like your mention of the importance of focusing, you know, both on the mental health of the people in your company as well as as the business. You know, the two certainly go go hand in hand. Um, another question for you, just you know, out of my, my sheer curiosity, we are hardwired for connection. And in this time of isolation, we're having to get creative in terms of how we create community. What are, what are some of the ways that you both have been able to stay connected during this time of isolation? And um, Tim, if you want to take that one first. Yeah, sure. Um, a couple things, uh, you know, at the company level, we, Pretty quickly, once we were all remote, started doing what I've affectionately dubbed Silver Linings Happy Hours. And the goal of that is to, at the end of a week, uh, usually every other week, get everybody together. And really the only homework people have when they come to that conversation is uh, they, they got to reflect on and, and come say out loud some things that they're grateful for that week. Um, and because I found that the practice of saying those things out loud um, is, is kind of a, a little cathartic in a lot of ways. And it's a good reminder that um, we need to focus on what we have versus maybe what we don't in times like this. Um, I, I've done a lot more one-on-ones with the team. Uh, obviously, they're all virtual, but I've done, I think, more in the last six weeks than maybe even in the last six months. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but, you know, that's something that's been increasingly important. Um, and I'd say nearly all of our internal interactions are uh, either on Zoom or FaceTime. We try to make a point of still seeing each other. And, you know, we kind of have an unfair advantage too, Nicole. Most of our work involves talking to people, right? So you, when you're on the phone all day, you kind of forget that this is all going on because it feels kind of normal. That's what we do every day. Um, and so we kind of get to live through other people's experiences. And then, um, you know, on the personal level, I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm, I'm not a solo act right now, right? I have my wife and my son and we're all under the same roof and healthy. And so um, they keep me sane. And I get a lot of um, satisfaction and connection from that every day. Um, and then now tonight, we're going to do a virtual graduation party for my cousin, my godson. There's going to be like 50 or 60 family members on it. So uh, people are getting creative. You do what you've got to do. Um, but I don't know. It's uh, different. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think that that's you know, building that community is one of the things that we've done well internally as a team. Uh, I think those informal gatherings have actually been pretty key. 
We've also been doing uh, about once a week. We'll just leave a Zoom line open for about an hour and a half, either during breakfast or during lunch. People will just hop on and chit chat and do their work together uh, virtually. But there's still having that informal chatter going on where there's music playing in the background. It's actually quite nice and makes you feel like you're part of that um, bit more traditional office environment where you can still have that water cooler kind of conversation of water coolers still exist. Uh, so it, that has been really good. And one of the things that I'll actually commend Tim on uh, back to the mental health aspect is that last week, um, Tim made the executive decision to give us a mental health half day. So we had a half day on Friday. Uh, and that was actually just so nice because it allowed, it, it gave you a little bit of that space to breathe um, and have a bit of freedom that doesn't have that kind of structure, uh, usually when you're trying to figure out what day you're a part of. Um, so I think on the team side, community has been uh, really good. On the personal front, I have the exact opposite of what Tim has in that I'm in a New York City apartment on my own. And so the walls haven't started to close in a little, a little bit yet, but they are talking to me. <laughs> so I found that talking back uh, has uh, given me that sense of community. But uh, just gathering with friends and doing some of these virtual happy hours making sure to have really, really competitive trivia nights uh, and just scheduling out my day has made it feel like you're not that alone. You still have things to do. You still have people that you can see and interact with. So that has been uh, a true plus. And in full transparency, I think I needed that half day. And <laughs> I... <laughs> I think uh, I would have felt guilty if I took one and didn't give one to everybody else too. So uh, I think we all needed it, right? And in spite of the fact that we're busy and it might seem counterintuitive to to take the time, I think that uh, we're not meant to keep going at the pace yeah. that we go without without the reboot. And the weekends are fine, but I, I, I think um, having time that would have otherwise been dedicated to working hard be given back to you to... Uh, you know, give yourself permission to take a breather. It's important. Absolutely. I, um, I, you know, I, I, it's a strong word to use, but the, I've read in different places, you know, that elements of the pandemic experience are uh, traumatic and, you know, giving ourselves time to process what's happening is uh, critical to both, you know, obviously our health, but also our pr productivity. Right. Um, so, Turning the conversation Absolutely. a little bit to uh, what you guys are doing. I'm excited to get into this. Let's start mm -hmm. by just with laying some groundwork. What is the mission of Equitas? And, you know, Lena, obviously you're familiar with uh, this language. We talk a lot about at Startup Health, the, the moonshot, right? What is your moonshot vision as far as 25 years from now? How do you hope the world is different because, because Equitas existed? Yeah, that's um, it's a great question. It's something that I think about a lot. And you know, I when I founded the company and chose the name for it, in addition to feeling a bit of a a duty to the Jesuits that forced me through four years of Latin in high school, uh, came up with uh, came up with with Equitas Partners because it resonated with me. Right, the 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 Latin for 
integrity and equity. And um, to me, as, as I simplify those concepts, it's about doing the right thing. Um, and, and so that was sort of the underlying principle that we built this on. And so the question then was like, well, how do we apply that to um, the work that we do, which is helping organizations build great leadership teams, uh, particularly in, in healthcare. And so w- w- what I envisioned was simplistically, you know, completely um, changing the hiring experience that organizations have uh, in this industry. And then, then as a result, allow those organizations to make a huge impact on healthcare. So I kind of measure our impact in uh, our clients' impact, um, which as we've grown and continue to work with more and more organizations is diverse and super exciting, right? And so we kind of want to get to a place where uh, the paradigm shifts a little bit and founders are actually excited to or, or look forward to that inflection point where they can partner with us or an organization like us um, versus viewing it as this um, you know, vendor slash cost center relationship that is either forced on them by by, a, by an investor or they feel obligated to do it or they, they just don't feel otherwise equipped and it's this thing that they must do, right? And so I think that we've built a process and we've hired people and built a culture um, and, and, and expect to have a certain kind of relationship with our clients that changes that paradigm, uh, hopefully, right? And, uh, and ultimately makes working with, with us to, to do stuff that's incredibly important to the growth of their organization a little bit more fun, frankly, right? Uh, obviously, the results are important, but I think it can be fun along the way, too. And so that, that's a big part of the ethos, I think, for how we come at stuff. So right now, can you give us a bit of a life in times, kind of a day, a day in the life of the team at Equitas? Um, what, are, what are some of the regular rhythms that, that drive your work right now? Yeah. Uh, well, first, busy, right? And not, not busy as in the uh, fairly cliched response that most people will give you when you ask them how they're doing. We're like really, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Um, I look up every day at and then see that it's six o'clock and I have no idea how it happened. And the same thing happens when Friday rolls around. Um, I almost wish for more hours and more, more days. And I think that seems to be consistent across our team and cause we might be in different places, but our days are full. Um, we've got a bunch of searches that are underway. So our, our, I think our day-to-day cadence looks an awful lot like it did on March 1st. Um, people are just doing it in different places. Um, you know, we've got a couple that are getting ready to finish. We're fortunate that we have a few that are getting ready to start in the next week or two. So we're prepping for those. Um, and then I'd say over the last three to four weeks, we've layered in some other pretty exciting projects alongside of our day-to-day. Um, things like launching our uh, Q2 newsletter, uh, getting our website up to date and overhauled, and everybody played a role in, in those things. And then we've used a bunch of the whatever spare time we've had to drop into uh, work on our process and our infrastructure and um, our systems so that everybody's involved in making those things better. Um, because obviously, I think if we can refine those things now, they'll be uh, they'll perform exceedingly well when things go back to whatever normal is going to be. And then obviously the, a big part of the last couple of weeks has been the, the building and launch of the health town exchange. And so uh, that was a total team effort um, and everybody owned a part of it. There's a lot of work, but uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis and still everybody's got a role to play in uh, making that thing super successful. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good transition point to talk about it. So what is the health talent exchange? Why did you launch it? And what are some of the challenges that you're addressing? 
it it really is a team effort and I think it actually stems from what Tim was talking about, the ethos behind our company, which is doing the right thing and having integrity behind it. So as we saw the effects of everything that was going on within the pandemic that we're all experiencing, outside of the health-related issues, there is a huge issue within the job sector. Uh, And now with... 30 million people being unemployed or filing for unemployment, we knew that we needed to do something and try to get back to a community and an ecosystem that we hold really dear. Um, both, uh, both Tim and I have effectively spent the majority of our professional lives within the health innovation space, and we wanted to make sure that the people there were taken care of. So. The Health Talent Exchange was really born out of that really big issue of knowing that there's a disconnect between the people who are seeking jobs and the people who likely are hiring. And the job, you know, job search process on the best of days is overwhelming and frustrating. And it's it takes such a long time to get through. You have to make a lot of decisions, but frankly, you have to do so much of your own research and so much of your own digging. Like the onus winds up being on the candidate. Um, so we wanted to take some of that um, some of that away when we launched it. So the Health Talent Exchange is effectively the most authentic place where you can go to find jobs within the growing health tech sector. Um, We want to make sure that it is only surfacing up the jobs that are actually being hired for today and that are not stale so that somebody who is looking can actually find jobs that they can apply for that they're not going to be taken down within a day or have somebody not look at their resume when they throw it across the line. So we found that in launching all of this, there were a few things at play. There's companies that are still growing and hiring, but you don't know who they are. You don't know where they are. You can't really find, don't know where to find them outside of the really big companies that have the money to Uh, promote and advertise on some of the paid job searches. Um, You have a number of people, obviously, who've been displaced. And you also have people who have been um, galvanized and who've been inspired to join the health tech sector in order to lend their areas of expertise to the companies that need it. But you also have companies that are within a cash constraint, right? Um, Ones that they know that they need to hire somebody on the marketing side or the engineering side, but they may not necessarily need them full-time. So they could use them for a part-time project or a consulting effort or a contract relationship. So the Health Talent Exchange really brings all of those different sides of the marketplace together. And as of this uh, recording, we're having to report that there's uh, about 450 jobs up on the Health Talent Exchange. They are everything from sales, operations, design, engineering, uh, administrative work, marketing and writing, and everything in between. They're senior positions all the way down to entry level uh, positions where someone can just jump in and get started. And we're really proud of that effort. 
Well, congratulations. That's, that's great to hear as far as um, the, the number of submissions that you've received so far. It, it feels almost like the, the health talent exchange that you guys have created offers also this safe space. There's, mm. there's a lot of vulnerability um, involved mm. in, yeah. for startups thinking about their leadership. And the health talent exchange is, you know, a curated space that is being, you know, motivated by the, the moral underpinnings of Equitas. So it's, it seems like it's almost, you know, mitigating some of that vulnerability. Yeah. One of the things that was actually most surprising to me in all of this is that one piece of the talent exchange is an opportunity for a candidate to be able to add themselves to a list, uh, a talent network, if you will, of um, being able to say, like, here's who, who I am, here's what I'm looking for, here's what I'm great at. And we initially were a little bit trepidations in terms of how many people are actually going to just put themselves out there like that. But we've been so pleasantly surprised that, that there's dozens of people who've added themselves. And what's even, what's even cooler is that we know that hiring managers and recruiters that are within, um, that are within companies themselves are actively looking at that list. Uh, to be able to find people who would fit some of the roles that they're hiring for right now. So it's been a really wonderful effort of people kind of letting go of some of those vulnerabilities that they may have had two months ago and just putting themselves out there. Yeah, that part's been really cool to see. I mean, there's upwards of 100 people that have done that at this point. And that's not an easy thing to do, right? Um, that's uh, There's a... There's the behavioral component of, of all of this and, and people, even t- talented people that have been laid off, not because they were an un- underperformer. Um, it's an ego hit, right? Um, these people are providing for their families um, or the minimum for themselves. And that's tough. It's, uh, they, they didn't do anything wrong, right? But they're st- they still find themselves in this position. And so for them to have the courage to get out there and say like, hey, you know, I, I put their hand up, right? I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my hope is that as others see that that list is big, uh, that more and more people feel like it's okay to say, I need help, right? And uh, Pauline is right. We've had a bunch of clients say that they've been combing through that list every day um, proactively for their recruiting efforts to see uh, who's popped up that might be great for them. So it's, um, I, I honestly, I think that that's one of the coolest parts of all this, actually. So Tim, you wrote about the intuition gap in a recent blog post, or it, well, it was recent for me. Um, you talked about, you know, basically this gap um, as far as being able to kind of have that comfort, comfort from getting to know somebody in person during the hiring process. Can you talk a little bit about the intuition gap and how you're working to close that gap in the hiring process mm-hmm. right now? Sure. Yeah, you know, it's uh, as Pauline and I were batting around uh, lots of ideas recently about how to counsel clients through hiring through this because it's still it's happening, right? We're seeing completely virtual interview processes and we're seeing people get hired. We just had a client go to an offer and, and get a, a, a signed acceptance this morning um, or late last night for somebody that they'd never actually met in person. Um, 
And, you know, I, I think that that's created, you know, this, this world we live in now has created the intuition gap that you referenced, which is something that we kind of take for granted and has sort of just become, you know, table stakes built into the way we hire people, which is you get in front of them, right? You, you're, you spend time in person, you share a meal, you, you have drinks, or the team takes somebody out for a, for a happy hour that's part of an interview process, or you're all together in a conference room and you're whiteboarding or um, even just like sitting across the table from one another. And I, I think what, what that injects into the traditional interview process is this opportunity for your, your gut to talk to you. Right. Um, and for people that have had lots of reps of hiring and interviewing that, that gets refined and it gets more and more accurate because it's usually, it's usually correct. Um, or at the very least it, it suggests something to you that maybe requires a little bit more unpacking. And so um, that, that opportunity has been uh, taken away from interview processes at the moment. Right. Um, and so it doesn't mean it's not still important and we've got to come up with ways to work around that, especially considering the fact that, like, we don't know how long this is going to be how it is. Right. Um, if you're in sales, who knows when the next time you're getting on a plane to go see a, a health system in person is right. So maybe we need to have an interview process that figures out if somebody's good at selling remotely. Um, and so I think that there's ways to, to architect a process that, does the best possible job within the confines of what we're working with now at, at closing that gap. Right. And so that's, to me means that there's probably some more steps than there were before. There may be exposure to more people on the team. Everything really should be done with video. Um, and then you've got to get creative. I think you have to, you know, if you're hiring a senior exec, you're adding somebody to the C-suite, the founder and his or her partner, I think should be, be doing a, you know, a virtual happy hour with the potential hire and their partner. Right. And it should last for longer than an hour. Um, I don't think that that's enough. Um, you could do virtual whiteboarding sessions. There's so many platforms right now that allow people to collaborate uh, online. I think you have to, you just have to think differently about, about your process and it has to be very well organized. Um, you need a roadmap. Candidates need to know what the process is. Uh, before they get involved in it, you know, you don't want to keep adding more steps when they thought that they were done. Um, and then, you know, I think you really have to over rotate on, um, on references and, and back channels to the degree that you have them right. Uh, for the things that normally your, your antenna would go up on, if you're meeting somebody for dinner, um, you got to talk to those references and really dig in on those topics. Um, and hey, is it perfect? Is it a complete replacement for, for really spending in-person time with somebody, maybe not, but um, this is what we got to work with right now, right? And it can be successful. And I think if you build a process that's successful now, it will almost automatically be successful afterwards um, when we're not under the duress that we're under now. I think that one of the things that goes under uh, appreciated is the reflection that that process has on you as an organization. So if the, the candidate sees that you're disorganized or that you are not clear in your directives or the way in which you handle some of those collaborative efforts, that's a reflection on what it's going to be like when you join. And the other, uh, the other thing that we're talking to our clients uh, about now is that the hiring process doesn't actually stop when the contract is signed, is that you actually have to start to really think about your onboarding process is 
what happens at 9 a.m. on that Monday? Where, do they, where does the person who's now no longer a candidate, but who's now a team member, where does that new team member log in? Who do they talk to? What do they have to do? They're not walking into an office where they get to shake hands and just uh, interact with people. So scheduling out that first full week, that first full month, that quarter is going to be pretty, uh, pretty critical. Um, having internal accountability so that you can start to check it in on people in a high touch way, but also with a purpose that it's not these interactions of, Hey, how are you doing? Where you're just asking, but you're not really sure what to do. Like how is a new, how is the new team member know how to respond to that? They don't know personalities well enough to be able to know how to gauge that kind of question. And I think the biggest challenge um, to recreate will be this notion of osmotic learning, where if you're sitting in an office, you kind of overhear conversations and you pick up the, you pick up the lingo, you pick up what needs to happen when, where and how, how things are handed off from one person to another. And that's just not something that can happen when you're working from home because you're isolated, right? So throwing in these new team members into conference calls so that they can listen in, uh, having prep meetings and debrief meetings so that you can explain why a certain interaction took place, why certain questions were asked, why certain deliverables were done in the way that they were, will bring that person up to speed really quickly and then make up for some of the things that you may have lost when you were doing that kind of onboarding person. Well, I, I feel like this is a good segue for the, the last part of our conversation, which is looking a little bit more broadly at what are some of the changes that we hope stick around uh, in a post-pandemic world. Um, so I'm, I'm going to tee up the last, these last couple of questions with something I read earlier this week that in a nutshell says, pandemics change history. And it's, it's an article from early March, which feels more like six years ago at this point. Um, but it's, uh, it's a piece from The New Yorker, an interview with Frank Snowden, who's a professor emeritus of history and history of medicine at Yale. And he writes, Pandemics are a category of disease that seem to hold up the mirror to human beings as to who we really are. They reflect our relationships with the environment. They show relationships that we have toward each other as people. And I, I think it's ironic, you know, Polina, you talked about kind of how, you know, the process that you create in the hiring, you know, um, in a hiring process right now during the pandemic offers kind of a reflection of who you are. So thinking kind of beyond the virtual doors of Equitas, um, what are some of those, you know, changes that have caught your attention that are happening that you hope stick around as a new norm? And uh, Tim, if you want to take that one first. Yeah, sure. So um, the first one is maybe a much bigger picture one, um, but important, and it's, it's empathy. Um, I think that it's, it's, rare that you have something that so universally impacts everybody. And I think that that's created a degree of empathy that for all that is probably up until now, pretty severely lacking in our society. And that's not just a, uh, a U.S. thing. I think that that's kind of a, I think that that was a global thing. And so I hope that that sticks around. Um, and that sort of manifests itself in a lot of ways. Um, 
but not the least of which is just kind of like understanding that everybody's got something. Um, and uh, to varying degrees, people's lives have been pretty dramatically impacted. And I, I'm seeing that come through in, in people's patients and the way that they talk to one another, um, you know, and then just general, uh, general empathy and understanding. So, I mean, that's, that's the first one off the top of my head, Paulina, what, what do you think? Yeah, for me, it's been uh, creativity. Um, one of the things that I've seen happen with a lot of our clients uh, and even the candidates that we speak to, they just figure out a way to get something done. Um, it's, it seems like there are not too many things that are roadblocks anymore and that are seeming roadblocks or ones that they may have thought were a much bigger deal two months ago. Now, just like, okay, I'll figure out a way around it. And that level of creativity when you have a commitment towards something has been um, has been really great to see, really great to see, and is really encouraging to see play out. Projects are getting done in two months that were otherwise scripted mm -hmm. to take two years, um, and so I think people realize that like the the old way of doing stuff doesn't always work right now. In roadblocks, look, we're doing telemedicine visits via FaceTime, right? Um, so it's, uh, that's actually kind of cool to see uh, that people can really rally around something. And that might be a lasting impact too, right? Which is that people realize that things can happen quickly, mm -hmm. um, that maybe there is a, a different way and people might find that they're capable of more than they realized. Um, and uh, that could be a silver lining. So related to, you know, empathy, creativity, is there anything that you've uh, read or something you saw, Kristen, you talked to an anecdote that, that recently gave you hope? I can uh, kickstart that one. Um, for, uh, for us, you know, we talked about the intuition gap uh, earlier. We didn't know as to how this was all really going to work. Were companies going to stall all of their activity in terms of bringing on team members? And um, we have not seen that happen at all. In fact, for us, we've been fairly, fairly busy in that regard. And I've been talking to a lot of investors recently to understand what their portfolio companies are doing and how they're handling it. And um, been literally hearing about investors that have run a completely virtual process from start to finish. Um, that has been a really wonderful anecdote for us, uh, for us to hear, to know that um, people are not, um, we're not just going to be stopped and put their put their heads in the sand, so to speak, and they're going to figure out a way. And those types of empathetic and creative and compassionate individuals are really going to go forward. So that has been wonderful, um, you know, wonderful to witness. Yeah, I, I I think along the same lines, just seeing that organizations are willing to to adapt and flex and, and uh, where they've got a need that, that hasn't changed, you know, being willing to create new processes to, to still get it done. I think that that, that gives me a lot of hope um, that, uh, that this will, that this will resolve uh, at some point. Um, and honestly, just when you talk about anecdotes and back to the empathy thing, I just noticed people are being nicer, right? Like I went to the grocery store yesterday and, you know, usually that's just like when you live in a city and you go to the grocery store, that's like a little bit like the Hunger Games. And, um, you know, 
people were like getting out of one another's way, being mindful of the squares on the floor for social distancing, you know, you're getting more like eye contact over, over the face mask and, and like a, Hey, like, how are you? And it feels, it feels a little bit less perfunctory than your, than usual, right? That like people are asking and they sort of care, even though you don't know them. Um, and, uh, I think that's the humanity in all of this, right. Is that, um, I don't know. I, I, to me, that, that gives me hope. Um, and so I think there's, if you're looking for it, there's, there's definitely things out there that could lift your spirits a little bit. This conversation has lifted my spirits. I, <laughs> I really appreciate you guys joining me. And I know some of the questions around, you know, whether it's that, that silver lining or we call it positive focus at Startup Health, um, it seems more important than ever to really try to continue to see you know, the things that uh, we have to hope for. So thank you guys. Um, for our listeners, you can learn more about the work that these two are doing at Equitas at aqpsearch.com. Tim and Kalina, it's been a pleasure. <laughs>